Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Hey, so uh, today we are continuing our, um, that's a good question, series. And uh, this is what they would call the penultimate uh, section of that series. There's one before last. Um, Next week, James is going to be... addressing the question, why am I always so broke? <laughs> um, so that'll be good. Tune in uh, to that one. Um, that'll be the, the last one in the series. And then, Lord willing, our plan is to begin going verse by verse through my favorite book of the Bible, uh, the book of Genesis. We'll be walking verse by verse through the book of Genesis in two weeks. Uh, but today, um, I'm talking about the question, is there hope for my anxiety? And that may not seem to fit well with our, that, you know, that's a good question series, but you would be amazed as Pastor James and I talk to you how frequently you describe your lives and your kind of mindset as anxious. Uh, in fact, I was telling uh, Colton King this morning, I am anxious about delivering a message about anxiety uh, today. And so thank you for, for praying for me, uh, Colton. Uh, so to a, a real degree... Um, Man, that's us. Uh, we, we are anxious. So to, today, I, I want to provide sort of the beginnings of a path toward hope for your anxiety. I don't expect to like fix anything today, but I do want to kind of lay a groundwork. Uh, and I want to say anxiety, I realize that anxiety and depression aren't technically the same things. But anxiety and depression usually have a lot of the same symptoms. Right? And we deal with anxiety and depression in the same ways. So although I'll be talking specifically about anxiety today, if that's not you or someone you know, depression probably is. Uh, so tune in because these things really apply to uh, depression as well. But you know, I mentioned that you describe yourselves to us as pastors as, as living anxious lives. Um, but you also know that if you're talking to anybody outside of Reach Life, it's not just us. This is a people problem, right? This is a, a, the part of the, the human condition. Um, in fact, psychology statistics tell us that anxiety and depression are at an all-time high. Listen to what the American Psychiatric Association has to say. I, I don't think I'm going to have this on screen, but listen up. Let's say anxiety is a normal reaction hear that, anxiety is a normal reaction to stress and can be beneficial in some situations. It can alert us to dangers and help us prepare and pay attention. You know, kind of like a check engine light in your car. Um, Anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness. Hear that, anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness and involve excessive fear or anxiety. Anxiety disorders are the most common of mental disorders and affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives. Anxiety refers to anticipation of a future concern and is more associated with muscle tension and avoidance behavior. Fear is an emotional response to an immediate threat and is more associated with fight or flight reaction, either staying to fight or leaving to escape danger. Anxiety disorders can cause people into 
to avoid situations that trigger or worsen their symptoms. Job performance, schoolwork, and personal relationships can be affected. In general, for a person to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, the fear or anxiety must be out of proportion to the situation or age appropriate or hinder your ability to function normally. I think it's a pretty good definition, pretty good description of anxiety and anxiety disorders with an important exception. Most of us who deal, I say us because I'm one of them, most of us who deal with anxiety actually go on and function in society quite well, don't we? So if we're functioning well, we may never be diagnosed with some sort of disorder. Um, Yet, man, our lives are anxious. We worry, we fret, we have this uneasiness, we have a fear of the unknown, the fear of the future. Maybe Am I telling the truth? Of course I am, right? Of course I am. This is a human deal. This is, uh, this is what we do. And like I said, I want you to know I'm rowing in this boat with you. Um, my default position from childhood, from birth, has been a glass half empty. That's my disposition. I'm cynical. I tend to worry, and then when I got traumatic brain injury, all of that was kind of cranked up to 11, and uh, so it's, it's, it's a real thing. I, I have dealt with nearly paralyzing fear of the future and anxiety about what the future might hold for me. Um, so uh, to kind of summarize what anxiety is, I, you may want to write this down. Anxiety has been accurately called PTSD from something that hasn't happened yet, but might. (laughs) Right? We're kind of living uh, as though it's happening. So even today, you know, I can have intrusive thoughts that I don't want. I didn't ask for, but bam, there they are, right? Um, But I'm telling you, God has indeed brought me a long way. If my wife weren't back working with the kids, she'd be here to tell you, God is working in my soul, giving me victory over anxiety. And I'm telling you, he could do the same for you as well. And I hope today will kind of be the beginning of that journey. And while that statistic from the American Psychiatric Association says that 30% of us will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, I'd add that even the rest of us who are never diagnosed with something have real, meaningful sometimes serious moments of anxiety and or depression in our lives, do we not? It's, again, part of the human condition. Um, So really, it's kind of a silent epidemic around. It's usually really clear in our own heads. We know I'm freaking out right now, right? But when we talk to one another, it kind of goes under the radar, doesn't it? Why don't we talk that out more as a family? Why don't we talk about that? You know, it's... um, I think it's because we recognize that, you know, it's part of the human condition to have a sprained ankle or quaky bowels or, uh, I'm sure, my, again, my wife would be like, don't, shh. yeah, yeah, 12-year-old humor, thank you, uh, or a bad back, right, or a stubbed toe or a weak immune system, or, or something like that. But we've attached this stigma to when we have an ache 
in our hearts or quaking in our souls. Uh, it's a major problem to have a stigma attached to that sort of thing. C.S. Lewis, as usual, said it very well. He said, uh, you guys knew a C.S. Lewis quote was coming somewhere. Uh, he says, mental pain is less dramatic than physical pain, but it is more common and also more hard to bear. The frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. I think he's right. I think he's right. So what can we say about our anxieties? Well, I can tell you from firsthand experience, there is hope to be had. There is healing to be had. There is victory to be had if you want it. Because the real question that you need to pause and ask this morning before we get rolling is, do I want to be free from my anxiety? Now, you may say, of course I do. But, but wait and think through it, because sometimes we become, we identify ourselves with our anxieties. And subconsciously, we really don't want to let them go because it's who we are. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you've placed your identity in those things, there is no hope for you. You're going to have to have a change of identity. That comes in Christ. Jesus does that. So that's where we would need to start today. Do you want to be free? Again, we're just kind of dip our toe in the water of this subject. It's a very deep topic. Uh, but we're going to dip our toe in the water of it this morning. I want to tell you that the water is warm. It's healing. Um, I just want to begin a dialogue. And then hopefully that dialogue that we begin today will kind of go on one-on-one with one another as we go. Uh, so because we're only hitting the surface today, I want to recommend a couple of resources for you. One is a booklet. This is a tiny little thing. Look at this. Tiny little deal. And James and I have ordered some of these, um, and they're going to be coming in soon. I think they were back-ordered. But it's called Overcoming Anxiety. It's been a great help to me. It's a little tiny little book, but it's super powerful. Uh, it's by a guy who recently uh, passed away. His name is David Paulison. Fantastic little book. Uh, in the future, hopefully when they come, that's going to be available at the Welcome Center in the back. And then there's this book called Finding Quiet uh, by one of my guy, my favorite dudes, uh, J.P. Moreland, who is a uh, Christian thinker uh, and professor, and he found out he was really struggling with anxiety. He got uh, four types of cancer in, was it, was it three months, Colton? In three months, he got four types of cancer. And that caused him to kind of drill in, drill in on his psyche, like, what is going on? And so his story is in this book, and it's soup. both of these are incredibly practical. Uh, and I, much of what I'm going to share from you t- with you today is out of these resources. Okay, they've been really helpful to me, so I want to share with you from them today. But uh, get them, get these resources, and you can take a look after the service, and I'll, I'll have them with me. Um, That brings us to another important thing I want to say uh, before we get going. We are whole human beings. Do you realize that we have bodies and brains and we have souls? Both of those things are true. So with anxiety and with depression, both of those things could be part of what's causing your situation. We need to recognize that. There could be a genetic chemical component to what's going on with you. Um, and so I'm not, I, I, I'm not a specialist in those things. I would, I would tell you to see a specialist 
on those particular things. Um, but remember, we're not only physical creatures. We have souls. And even when there may be a real genetic or chemical component, there is always a deeper spiritual component to anxiety and depression. Always, always, always. There sometimes may be a chemical component. There's always a deeper underlying spiritual component. So you may have a predisposition to anxiety. You may be more inclined to face something like that, have an increased likelihood But there's always, always a spiritual component. Um, Even even when medicine, for example, is necessary. We know that medicine doesn't cure anxiety. It treats symptoms, right? And you may need that. But it's not the cure. It's not the cure. Um, Overcoming anxiety and depression is primarily fought, that battle's fought in your soul. And that's where we're going to focus today. Again, Dr. Moreland in his book, who gives some great uh, tips on dealing with both of these things, he says this, We are born fallen and broken people in great need. Part of the fallenness at birth includes genetic predispositions we inherit from our parents. This is a scientific fact as part of the biblical idea that we're fallen. My entire mother's side of the family, he says, was plagued with anxiety, and it was passed on to me, and I passed it on to one of my two daughters, who seems to have more of my genes than my other daughter, who has more of my wife's side. Listen here. He says, this predisposition does not mean that I am biologically determined to be anxious. Listen, I'm going to read it again. This predisposition does not mean that I am biologically predetermined to be anxious. It means that I have a natural inclination toward anxiety and depression that's been present throughout my life, but I do have the ability to do things to stand against it and minimize it or get rid of it all together. By the way, another thing that I just want to point to in Dr. Moreland's book today uh, is that in this book, he outlines another book by a Christian uh, professor at UCLA. He's a neuroscientist, Jeffrey Swartz. And Jeffrey Swartz's book is called You Are Not Your Brain. Make note of that title, You Are Not Your Brain. It's based on, the Christ- again, the Christian worldview of human beings. We are not mere mechanical machines. We are not. Um, we are more than just our brains and chemicals. We are souls operating in the physical realm. Okay, we, uh, sounds like a police song. We are spirits living in the material world. It's true. Uh, we, we have a brain, but our brain is not who we are. We have thoughts, we have emotions, but we are not those thoughts and emotions. We really can evaluate our thoughts and emotions objectively and call them what they are and intentionally bring them and place them under the authority of God's word. I'm here to tell you that's true. God is not just theology on paper. God is helping me live that. And I want to help you begin to live that as well. Um, so again, we don't have detail time to go into the detail of, of that uh, kind of thing. Uh, it's like a, in case of emergency, break glass. How to take your thoughts captive when like uh, anxiety comes on, panic attacks come on. We'll talk about that in a little bit later. But Check out Dr. Moreland's uh, book. Today I want to focus on like a deeper lifestyle that you can begin to develop, and we'll see it in Scripture, that you can begin to develop 
and implement that will truly cultivate victory over anxiety in your life. Uh, there's real hope to be had. So where do we find real hope? Anybody know? God wrote a book, you guys. God wrote a book, and we can find real hope in there. Um, so just to give you my message in a nutshell today, in case you want to check out, I hope you don't after this, but here's what we're going to talk about. This is a super boiled down summary of the message. You'll see it up there on the screen. Anxiety is real, and it results from a distortion of the truth. Therefore, the real antidote to anxiety is the truth. And we get the truth into our brains through the Word of God and into our souls through intimacy with the author of that Word, God himself. Um, So I want to set the tone so that you know that God is with you. God is for you, even in your most anxious times. As we sung previously, he wants to use these anxieties to build your trust in him. And maybe you don't know exactly what your problems are. Maybe you're like, yeah, I'm anxious, but I, I don't know about what. I just kind of have this churning in me, this unsettledness in me, this kind of fear in me, and I don't know where it's coming from. In uh, Dr. Uh, Polison's little book here, Uh, He offers a quick, easy tool. You'll see it coming up on the screen. You may want to do this. If you want to know what makes you anxious, he says, fill in the blanks to these sentences. I need blank. I want blank. I don't want (laughs) blank. Whatever you put in those blanks, those are the things that make you anxious. Those are the things... Maybe the, the, the love of someone you want or need. Your good health. The good health of someone that you love. Maybe uh, financial security, a, a certain job. When you don't get it, you panic. Um, and the things you, you get that you don't want also make you panic. So what do we do when we get what our hearts feel that we don't need or don't want? Or we... Don't get what we do want or feel that we need. We turn to the Lord. Um, This isn't our primary passage we're about to get there, but I want to encourage you from Psalm 94, which says this, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. So let's turn to the word of God now and see the consolations of the Lord. And I pray that it will bring cheer to our soul. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. You can go ahead and begin to turn your Bibles there. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 5 and go through verse 9. Uh, And what I want us to do as we look at kind of this passage is develop a gospel-centered framework for overcoming our anxiety. A gospel-centered framework for overcoming our anxiety. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, 5 through 9. I'll be reading from the ESV. You can follow along in your copy or it'll be up on the screen. Apostle Paul says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, some of you may be very familiar with this passage, and that may all sound well and good. (laughs) But I want us to unpack it together so that we can see the real power of God that uh, is being offered here to us. So in our gospel-centered framework for overcoming anxiety, I want us first to remember that the Lord sees and hears you. Remember that. The Lord sees and hears you. We see that in verse 5. It tells us that he is at hand, right? He's nearby. Verse 6 tells us to make our requests known to him. Listen, if you've placed your faith in Christ, and and, uh, important side note, all of this hinges on you placing your faith in Christ. So without that, um, there's going to be a problem dealing with your anxiety because you're going to have to deal with it in your own power. You may be finding out that's impossible. So with that caveat... If we've placed our faith in Christ, Jesus is your Lord, then God is your Father. He is at hand. And you can go to Him as a child goes to a strong and present and loving and faithful and wise and compassionate Father. Um, Go read the Psalms, man. Again, I quoted a Psalm a few minutes ago. Go read the Psalms where King David... The greatest king in all of the history of Israel, a man that God says is a man after God's own heart, you'll find out David expresses his real feelings to God. If you read the Psalms, man, uh, David is raw. You can see that sometimes his theology got wacky. David's just being real before the Lord in the Psalms because he knows that God is his father. Now listen. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know that the fact that God is your Father and that you're speaking honestly with Him does not necessarily make what you're anxious about go away. Did God ever promise you life was going to be easy? In fact, He kind of guarantees the opposite. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. But He has overcome the world, Jesus says. Um, listen, you may not be healed. Your loved one may die. You may not get out of financial stress. But I want you to consider Jesus in the garden for a minute, praying to the Father before the Romans would nail him to a cross. It was for the ultimate good that the Father allowed wicked men to crucify the Son. Jesus, in spite of his dread, his real dread, he he prayed to the point where his sweat became blood. 
in spite of that, he trusted the Father. Aren't you glad that Jesus trusted the Father? It's for the ultimate good. And here's kind of the great truth that has helped me with my own anxiety and confusion maybe when I didn't understand. God, what is your plan? Why have you allowed this? We think that he's sovereign over us, right? He is. We're like, what I'm going through right now makes no sense. This has really helped me a lot. Pastor Tim Keller says that we can be sure that our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything that God knows. Think about that for a minute. He's not only good, God is wise. And if you were sitting with Jesus in the garden as one of the disciples who weren't sleeping, if you're sitting there, there's no way you could understand what was going on. This is a guy who says he is God in the flesh, God the Son, walking the earth. He is the Messiah. He is the deliverer. Yet he is distraught so much that the capillaries in his forehead are bursting, running blood down his face. He's about to go be crucified. You would be more than confused. God's plan was perfect. And I think Dr. Keller is right. We can be sure that when we pray, our prayers are answered exactly how we would want them to be if we knew everything that God knows. Do any of you know everything that God knows? I certainly do not. This is where what Christians call faith comes in. It's not blind, it's trust. I have good reason to trust God. Therefore, I will, even when I'm anxious. So that's the first thing. He is the only wise God. And if you are in Jesus, if your faith is in Christ, then God is your Father, and He is near, and He sees you, and He is listening to you. So remember that. The second thing I want us to remember is that the Lord is guarding your heart with His peace. You guys saw that in verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is actually a theme that runs through the whole Bible. The whole Bible includes this. I mentioned David in the Psalms earlier. Listen to his words in Psalm 121. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Well, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I will not, or he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. David continues that through the chapter. Listen, David is saying, it's the Lord who keeps me sane. That's what David is saying. He guards our hearts. The Lord is near. He is our keeper. And when we're anxious, we can remember that God is guarding us with his peace. Remember what I said uh, anxiety is the result of? A distortion of the truth. And it comes from this idea that we need something in our lives or something out of our lives in order to be whole. That's a distortion of the truth. Um, one of the things that Kelly and I uh, have always asked one another when we're going through times of anxiety. I remember an example. We, Kelly and I aren't able to have children. And... Um, 
the early days of our marriage, man, uh, emotionally and psychologically, that was brutal for us. Um, and we spent many hours crying and uh, pleading with the Lord over that situation. But one thing um, that kind of brought sanity to us is we would, we would ask one another, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough? Or is it Jesus plus children? Or Jesus plus, you can fill in the blank. So pause and think about that for yourself right now. Is Jesus enough for you? Is he? We truly have everything in Jesus plus nothing. Plus nothing. And if you're trying to add something to that, then you're never going to be fulfilled. Um, That may sound foreign to you. That may sound unrealistic to you, but I'm telling you, it's real. It is the truth. Um, When we realize that Jesus is enough for us, that's when we have contentment. If you're a note taker, write that word down. If we realize that Jesus is enough, we are content. And hear me, family, a content person is not an anxious person. Contentment and anxiety are polar opposites. They're oil and water. They do not mix. Um, Again, this is not just theology on paper. God's helping me live this. I'm not as free as I want to be from anxiety. I got a long way to go. Um, But by God's grace, I am seeing progress. I am seeing victory. Um, I'm not a prisoner to my anxiety anymore. My Oakley almost came out. I'm not a prisoner no more, right? Uh, but I'm not. I'm not. And you don't have to be either uh, because Jesus is Jesus. Uh, next, uh, I want us to remember that the Lord is true. So remember that the Lord sees and hears you. Remember that the Lord is guarding you with his peace. And remember, the Lord is true. As we said, the anxiety is the result of lies and brings lies into our hearts. Uh, Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, In this little booklet, uh, Paulson describes it this way. Listen, if you recognize this cycle. First, he says, you believe the world needs to be under your control. Second, you think it's out of control. Third, you imagine that your worry will get it under control. (laughs) Right? Right? Subconsciously, man, those are the tracks we run on. Um, and remember then that the truth is the antidote to anxiety. This is what Paul, the apostle, is describing in this, in this verse. And this is going to get really, really practical here. Um, so again, get your, get your pens out. Practically speaking, how then? How do we put feet on this? How do we trust God's truth? The first part of that is in, in verse 9. It says, Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. 
Well, don't miss what he's saying. Paul's saying there's something you can do about it. That's extremely practical. You know, you may feel like I'm, I'm drowning in anxiety. Somebody throw me a life raft. I can't do anything about it. You can. You actually can. Paul is saying there are things that you can put into practice that can bring deliverance. That's great news, you guys. That's great news. So that, again, there's this lifestyle uh, and it's primarily a lifestyle of contentment. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, when he was talking to his disciples about anxiety. He said, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Pause. That's a command. You know why Jesus would tell you to not do something? Because it's within your power to not do it. By his grace. Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. You know what he means by that? Don't be anxious about tomorrow. That's what he means. Um, for tomorrow, he says, will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, so let's drill down into, into this section a little bit about practically trusting God's truth. The first thing is, don't stress over what hasn't happened yet. Remember, anxiety is PTSD for something that hasn't happened yet but might. So when we're stressed about something that hasn't happened yet, you're, you're cashing a check that hasn't been written. Always a bad idea. Don't, don't do it with your life. So how do you stop this mental juggling of so many things in your mind to worry about? How do you stop this swirling? Well, again, in this powerful little booklet, I'm still going to recommend it to you. Paulison uh, has some really practical tips. Number one, make a list of all the things that you're stressed about. Listen, this is practical stuff, guys. Make a list of all the things that you're stressed about. Why would you do that? Because when you're stressed, when you're anxious, you may feel like it's an infinite amount of things that you're stressed about. Right? I couldn't name them all if I, if I needed to. I don't even know what they are. Just writing them down, can, you'll realize it's a finite list. I can fit them all on paper. Maybe a few pages if you need to. You know, But it's not infinite. There's an end to it. And that can begin to bring some clarity. Next, he says, ask, what is God calling me to do about today's trouble? Underline that word, today's. Today's trouble. He says this, imagine two circles. One of them is a really big six-foot circle. The other one is a little tiny six-inch circle. What you need to do today is in that little six-inch circle. And whatever is in the larger six-foot circle, you leave that in God's hands because there's nothing you can do about it. You can't control them. So then he says, look at your list of worries. Anything on that list that you can't do anything about today goes into that big old six-foot circle. You know, maybe if you're worried about, man, in the future, I might get some really dire health um, diagnosis. It goes in the six-foot circle. Lord, I'm anxious 
about that? I can't do anything about it. So get it out of your circle. Put it in God's circle. Let God, you know, the the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, God, please, will you take this burden? Because I can't do anything about it. I'm not sovereign. I don't know what the future holds. I'm not omniscient. I'm not even all wise. I'm not very wise even. You, Lord, are those things. Please take this worry off my list. Maybe there's a, there's a mixture of the list. Maybe it's like, uh, maybe if you have kids, you're like, I want my kids to grow up and know the Lord and love the Lord and have joyous life in the Lord and have a really solid head on their shoulders. Are there things as a parent that you can do today to kind of set the right conditions for that? For sure, there are. But can you control the ultimate outcome of those conditions? No, you cannot. Your kids are real live human beings. They have real souls. They make real decisions. And you can't do anything about it. Can you? You know this, ma'am, right? You know it. It's true. Thank you, Tim. Tim gets my humor. Thank you, Tim. But we know that to be true. There are some things that we can do. We can set the stage, but you cannot control the ultimate outcome. Whose circle does the ultimate outcome rest in? The big old six-foot circle, God's circle. You got a little one. You got something you can do today. You worry about that. Do your job as a parent, and you let God worry about the results. If you're faithful, he's faithful, and your kid's got some choices to make. Right? That's how life works. And if we don't operate with how life works, we go crazy. So Paulson says, then go through your whole list this way. Go through your list of worries. And he says, as you do, remember that what God asks you to do today is always going to be smaller than the problem you're facing. It will always, here's what that means. You are living in a really big, messed up world with problems only God can handle. You cannot and are not meant to carry the problems that only God can handle. When you try to do that, you know what happens? They will crush you. Thus your anxiety. You are feeling the crushing weight of something you are not meant to bear. You're meant to leave it to the Lord. And so when we try to carry those things, they crush us. Uh, So we just try to remember every day, God is in charge of the world. God is watching over his sheep, including this sheep, including me, including you. God is God. You are not. But guess what? In Christ, you are his. And he is watching over you. He hears you. He sees you. He is true. He is near. Um, And so ask while you're recognizing that God is who he is. He alone can carry those things. Then we ask, okay, God, what is the really small yet productive, healthy thing that I can do today in my little six-inch circle and help me trust you with the rest? Right? That's... 
the beginnings of or an example of a component of a lifestyle that we can cultivate that can gain real, lasting victory. It's a, dis, it's a heart disposition, right? We're talking about our posture before the Lord, our posture in front of the mirror, and our posture in life. This is how we approach life. Some things only God can handle. I'm not worried about that. Some things God has, given, has put firmly in my plate, handle that. So I'm not spinning 10,000 plates at once. Those of you who know what anxiety is, you know what it's like to spin all the plates. Try to keep them going in your mind. Um, so what, what are the results if we are able to have this posture, maybe using some of those practical examples? That's in the last part of verse 9. shows us the results. Paul says, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, it's not as though God has gone anywhere when you're not practicing those things. He's omnipresent. Where would he go? There's nowhere for God to go. You guys heard the old analogy about the old couple in the pickup truck, right? Where the woman's sitting on this side of the pickup truck and the husband's driving and the woman's over there complaining. You know, honey, when, when we were dating... Um, you used to drive with your arm around me. We sat all cuddled up and whatever. And the husband says, uh, I'm still in the same seat. You're the one that's moved down. Right? So it's not as though God has gone anywhere when we're not. Hey, I wish that were original to me, but it's not. Um, but, but it's not as though God has moved when we're not practicing these things, but we sure can feel like he has. We can forget that the Lord is with us. We can, we can forget that he really is present. He's, he's, just, he's here. He's asking me, come closer. Come closer. Rest in me. Trust in me. Get off the spin cycle, God says. Let him handle those things. So he hears us. He's guarding our hearts with his peace, and he is true. Lord is true. So lastly, uh, I want us to remember that the Lord is not only near, He is with you. There's a difference between somebody being nearby, somebody being with you. The Lord is with you. Um, we saw that in the verse, the God of peace will be with you. Um, again, think about the unhealthy way that we respond to things when we're anxious when we are worried, and again, our, our minds, I'm using that phrase, our minds are spinning, because that's how I experience anxiety. Um, especially um, those of you who deal with it, do you ever deal, it, deal with it worse at night, trying to go to sleep? It's like, my body's really tired, I'm going to lay down, and then my brain goes, spin mode, a thousand different worries. Anybody else experience that? Yeah. I, it's because we forget that the Lord is with us. Um, listen, we're not facing our problems one-on-one. God himself is with us. Um, remember who he is. Put some respect on his name. Remember who the Lord is. Listen, I mean it. Do we forget who is with us? We say the name Jesus lightly off our lips. Do you remember who he is? He's the creator of heaven and earth. He is with you. Um, you know, when we worry and ha have anxiety, it's not because 
how uh, the secular psychiatrist uh, tells you you've forgotten. The secular psychiatrist would tell you, you know, you just need to remember how great you are. You need to remember that you've got this. No. What you've forgotten is that God is great. And you ain't got this. You really don't. You really don't have this. If we're honest and we look ourselves in the mirror, we know we do not have this. And that's okay, because why? Because God's got this. He really, truly, and not only does he have this, he has you. God has you. Um, We talked about Jesus in the garden. Remember, Jesus, in his humanity, with tremendous dread over what was to come, but in his divinity submitted his humanity to God and said, Father, not my will. Your will be done. I know you have a plan. I will trust you. And this Jesus, who was sacrificed on your behalf, was risen from the dead. And guess what? He will one day raise you too, if you're in Christ. She bring you great hope in your anxieties. Paulson says it like this in his little booklet as we wind down. He says, What you have been given in Jesus and you will be given on the day when you see his face is greater, weighs more, and has more lasting power than anything you might lose here on earth. When you know that Jesus is near, the worried, obsessed, sinful anxiety dissipates, then the caring, concerned, trusting sort of anxiety grows and you grow in faith and in love. So, again, when we begin to be anxious, we have to begin by remembering that the Lord is near us. Think about it. Um, if, you take, if you're taking a picture uh, with your cell phone or, or a camera or whatever, um, the things that are closest to you seem bigger than the things that are further from you, do they not? That's called perspective, right? Things in the foreground seem closer or seem bigger than things in the What's the, what's the background? Background, right? <laughs> the background is called background. Thank you, artist, right? Um, so, so here's the question. Which do you hold more closely to you, the Lord or your anxieties? Whichever you're holding closer to you will look bigger to you. And if your anxieties look bigger than God, you're holding them too close, man. That's a distortion of the truth. So we must remember that the Lord is near us. Listen, again, I would recommend these resources to you, and there's some great resources out there. The number one resource that I'd recommend to you um, to uh, have overcoming uh, lifestyle in terms of your anxiety is walking through the Word of God and doing life with a solid Christian brother or sister in the foxhole. Not just near, not just sitting around in here on Sundays, but linking arms, doing life with one another. Say, man, I'm in. Are you in? Good, because I don't want to be by myself. I need help. And the Lord, in His gracious sovereignty, has given you a spiritual family to to go to, to battle with. We are literally surrounded by a spiritual army of people in here. Praise God. 
You don't have to go to war by yourself. You happen, do you realize this is a spiritual war? You know, when the Apostle Paul talks about uh, taking every thought captive, we, that's spiritual warfare. That's in the spiritual warfare pa- uh, passage that we, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against every high idea that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. He says, we take every thought captive according to Christ, right? When I get these intrusive thoughts, I got something to do about it. I can put them into submission under the word of God, and that's much easier to do if I've got somebody helping me do it. I've got the spirit of God within me, and I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who have the spirit of God in them. Let's do the same together. So listen, if you're a girl or a woman in here, we've got some women in the church called Titus Two Women. They are equipped to walk with you and are being equipped to walk with you. You can get uh, with my wife or Kelly Nysong or Nancy. or They can point you to some of these women that are being equipped in the church. Do life with them. If you're a boy or a man, we've got dudes that can walk with you as well. Get with uh, Pastor James or me or one of our MC leaders We'll be glad to walk with you or link you up with a solid, mature brother in the Lord. So I pray that today has at least cracked open your vision a little bit to see outside of your anxiety, outside of your worries, outside of your depression and say, okay, okay, okay. Maybe my vision has been a little clouded because I've been holding those things closer to me or I've lost sight that the Lord is near, and those things look bigger than God. That's why I feel like I'm drowning in them. Maybe I've been able, through God's word, open your, or the Lord has been able to open your vision just a little bit to see that there really is hope. There really is victory to be had if you want it. If you want it.